0: PD Raw is a podcast sharing the experiences and insights of people with personality disorders or traits. By being brave and talking about the things that are shameful and painful, humans demystify and destigmatize the things that we hide. The aim of this podcast is to let others know that they are not alone. By showing the reality behind our walls, we hope to bring people closer together, connecting in a more open and authentic way. Please be aware that, due to its topic, this podcast is adults-only, not safe for work, and may contain triggering content.
1: Howdy there, everybody, our loyal and captive audience once again. It is your host, Few, and today I've got a special guest, somebody who I've spent quite a bit of time with and also told many people about on The Sub and on some of the other podcasts, also a frequent contributor to The Sub. And so today we have the one, the only, we have Burning Lila with us. How you doing?
2: Hey, nice to meet you nice
1: (laughs) yeah this is probably our first time or something like that it's good to have you around and first name burning last name lila is that your real name or just the first of many lies they're going to be told on this
2: cast i mean yeah that's my name that's what my parents called me so like can you kindly not bring that up
1: right yeah yeah okay we really shouldn't put that out there for you know all these uh people out there to dox you with if anybody's interested, you know, let me know what hits you get. And yeah, so how how do we introduce you properly? I mean, particularly, we're like, what, boyfriend, girlfriend, somewhat involved. So that seems interesting. But we're also kind of working on your NPD and ASPD and seeing what to make of it and kind of what's possible, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. We're just seeing, like, how long few survives when he gets bored, that kind of thing.
1: Yep, you know, so how long he survives in the presence, how long he, she survives in the presence of psychopaths. There have been other people who have been trying, still standing. So, you know, just keep that ticker moving. But yeah, really kind of throwing myself in the jaws of whoever comes by. Yeah, do you think there's anything else kind of interesting to throw here right up at the front?
2: Hmm, yeah, I'm not sure whether how we met is quite appropriate but oh
1: well oh, that is a story you. that we do not tell our children so yeah no um
2: <laughs> children i never want oh
1: my <laughs> yeah i mean maybe sure if you want to i i'm relatively indifferent
2: mm, yeah let's go for it so yeah we met on the sub. i decided to chase few for reasons unknown
1: Oh, I think those reasons are very known to all in Sundry. Okay, moment of immodesty oh, back to Humblefew. Uh yeah, continue.
2: <laughs> oh, I haven't met Humble Few before. What is this? Is this a humble like <laughs> persona?
1: <laughs> no comment.
2: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I chased him on the sub. I didn't really know what I wanted. I think I just wanted to have you, which sounds a bit creepy, but here we are. Um, yeah, I chased you around a bit, and then we ended up getting to know each other a bit more, and chilled out with some of the, um, more aggressive stuff, I think. I think we've chilled out with that.
1: I believe so. I mean, you let me, you tell me, if there has been aggression coming, I haven't noticed it recently, aside from in certain places that we will not talk about. You know, some things are best kept under the sheets.
2: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) No, this is a tell. Come on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think even just an interesting thing for you to point out in the beginning there is that I think with disordered people, you are acknowledging that you had that drive. You had that impulse of seeing something and you wanted it. And you wanted to know that you could possess it and you wanted to have it and see what the experience of it was. But you had absolutely no fucking follow through and absolutely no plan for afterwards. <laughs> and luckily enough, that happens to be kind of an area that I'm more fluent in, or that's the skill set that I kind of pride myself on more. But yeah, you know, even that was a bit of negotiation of. Kind of letting me take the wheel in terms of steering things with a bit of an even hand. Because, yeah, you do have that different skill set of the sort of people of kind of being seeing people as possessions or prey. And your self esteem and ego needs being caught up in being able to exercise that skill set and be successful. And I have a different approach, which I've been kind of trying to tempt you towards. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I think, it, I think it's working, yeah. <laughs> oh, looking back on it, it seems like really weird because, yeah, I was confused between whether I wanted you, whether I wanted to just have achieved like chasing you and getting you, whether I wanted to have some of your skills and kind of absorb them. Yeah, I was confused about what I even wanted. I just knew that I just had to keep on chasing you and... Chase you in a reasonably respectful way, I think. I'm not not too sure. Is there going to be a bad wedding speech about this?
1: <laughs> uh, you did better than some of the other pursuers, so let's <laughs> leave it
2: at that. <sighs> oh, my God. Starting the faint praise. <laughs> i to to take that. That's blowing my mind. It's like, you're better than the other people, but you're not great. I'm like, oh, break nah. my heart.
1: No, I'm pretty fine with it. And I mean, I did put you through the ringer as well, because at this point in my life, I'm a little bit less naive. I'm a bit more calloused up and aware of other people and the things that they bring to these interactions. So I made sure to kind of drag it out, kind of see what you had, where you were coming from. And so, you know, it was a bit of mutual. There was a bit of a game or dance being played on both sides. And I think that's also something that's interesting, even in and of its own right, that maybe people would want to hear more of about these kind of entanglements that happen or the things that come out when you're actually pursuing with wisdom. Okay, I'll say on my case with wisdom, an attachment with, a disordered, <laughs> with a disordered person of which kinds of things you have to uh, be aware of or be looking out for or afraid of because it can go wrong or off the rails and on both ends. So yeah, even just that is something interesting for us to share with people.
2: For sure, and I think, do I want to use the word normies? Is that really (laughs) insulting?
1: Some people already have, so fuck it.
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'd say like, Normies really desperately want to see you as just a normal person. And they want to understand you through an experience they're familiar with. And you can end up doing all sorts of things and they just still refuse to kind of see who you are, which is frustrating, probably quite dangerous for some people. But yeah, it's kind of understandable.
1: Yeah. I mean you know you touch on something really big which is that people can only understand and interpret other people with what they have inside or the resources they have available so if you're kind of a normie person who sees the world with a certain perspective it's very hard for you to imagine anybody else being any different and so you can do the same action so that another disordered person might see and be like oh i see what you're trying to do here like i see the game and they just you know they know how this dance is and they know what their steps are and then a normie person doesn't see it and they're like oh well you know like they're just this and they make excuses or they interpret it differently and not Mm -hmm. only is it bad for them because they are less in touch with what's really going on it's also bad for you because you at the same time there's a power in being able to pull the wool over people's eyes have them not see you but at the same time then there's a bitterness and a resentment that you know that this person never really sees you never really understands you You never get to that point of where there's a real connection and things are easy and light and fun. And so, you know, you're losing out too, profoundly.
2: Yeah. And I think, like, especially as a woman, I think people tend not to take you seriously if you're being a bit aggressive. I say a bit aggressive. If you're being aggressive (laughs) or if you're doing kind of dangerous things, people kind of give you a bit more leeway, which isn't great, but um, it's very frustrating not to be taken seriously as like, yeah, your aggression isn't taken seriously and people jump through all kinds of hoops to explain away what you're like. Yeah. yeah, It's pretty, uh, pretty crazy how people bend themselves backwards to try and just uh, make sense of your experience.
1: Trying to explain what is to them inexplicable, but I mean, Yeah, the thing that came to mind there is misogyny is as misogyny does. I mean, that's just a sense of pervasive misogyny is that there are not the widespread resources for interpreting your experiences as a woman or that they get underprivileged or people aren't fluent in them. And in some cases, it's a bit of a power, like when you can operate in that space that other people aren't fluent in, then you're the one who gets to express your artistry. Like you get to style on people there. They just can't do anything about it. But at the same time, it also means that, you know, you're not recognized when you are legitimate, when you try to be valid, that people aren't going to understand you. There's almost a lot of part of the bitterness and resentment that's a part of the disorder is having that exact same thing happen chronically and realizing, okay, nobody's going to take me seriously when I'm trying to play by the rules. I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want or I'm going to overwhelm you or I'll be manipulative to make you listen to and regard me instead of having trust or faith that you'll do so in a reciprocal manner
2: hmm. yeah for sure yeah so many experiences like that they're all pretty going to listen to this and be like oh shit <laughs> what was actually going on but yeah one of my best friends when I was younger I almost had a very dangerous car accident with him And looking back on it, even years later, he's tried to explain it by saying, or maybe you were depressed or maybe you were just having a hard time at the time. And it's just, yeah, it's kind of minimizing, but it's also, yeah, it's not ideal for him either. I mean, I'm like relatively well behaved now, but at the time, like that accident could have gone a lot worse and, um, yeah, damn. Just too. For the territory.
1: Yeah, just to put some context on that for people. This was with her doing something risky while driving for shits and giggles because she sort of wanted to or there were feelings that were invested in the situation that made her want to do that. So not like this was kind of a more legitimate reason. And the friend refusing to kind of clue into like, well, somebody could just do this for the thrills just to feel something just for the desire of it. That would be the normie being unable to tune in with what the disordered person is feeling. And also the other thing that came to mind there as you already know, and you're gonna laugh, but when somebody who's more normal says that, you know, they understand you, you're just depressed, go watch Beef and tell me all the instances (laughs) where you see that happening. And, you know, I think that sums it up. (laughs) (laughs) I told you, you know, I think that sums up the phenomenon really well.
2: Hmm, that road rage incident was relatable for sure. Damn. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just just to all the other normies out here, again, this is one of those things. You watch beef, you see the road rage incident, you're like, man, some people are fucking lunatics. And then we've got Miss Burning Lilo over here, and she's like, Fuck, that's me. Yes, you know, different not... <laughs> di- different people, radically differing experiences. Which is what we're the whole point of what we're doing here. Okay, mm-hmm. so that' That's been a good preamble. That's been some good setup of kind of us and, you know, where you're coming from and what we intend to do. So let's dive into the real good shit, oh, which is the shit that yeah. you absolutely don't want to do.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to distract you with, like, some fun stories and hopefully, like, not talk about anything that I don't want to talk about. So, damn. And, damn.
1: <laughs> and you know, this is at your own disclosure and voluntary. So, you know, we're not going to push too hard the audience really wants to know um yeah you're totally (laughs) free it's
2: blackmailing me with nudes and i can't hear anything about it
1: yeah well you know it had to happen eventually so yeah you know let's start wherever you think would be the best point of attack for understanding you and your story which doesn't necessarily mean at the beginning you know you're the one who gets to lead people into your inner world so take us on a journey
2: God. okay, I'll try not to take you on any kind of road race journeys, but here we are.
1: I
3: mean...
2: (laughs) Yeah, I guess I'll start with kind of how being unaware was, what it felt like, um, maybe a bit of why unaware people don't really, they don't know what they're doing. Maybe that was really Mm. patronising, but yeah, how being unaware stops you from getting help. And stops other people from being able to help you and that kind of thing.
1: Sounds fucking fantastic. Yeah, please.
2: Oh, casting my mind back to maybe like last year, I think it was. I started to become more aware slowly. Yeah, my therapist tried to like direct me towards becoming more aware without offending me so much that I would run away or anything like that. Um, Oh,
1: you even they I'll just put in a little note. So for all the MPD, ASPD people who are judging therapists, so why isn't it working? Why doesn't it go fast enough? There's an incredibly difficult line that has to be drawn between being hard enough on you that like you take them seriously and you respect them, and you think something's happening, but also not offending your very fragile ego and you walk away thinking, who's this person to challenge me and what right do they have? And then also just like feeling like something's actually happening and Mm. also them working through things that you can't see yourself that you're more than willing to reject. so this is a very difficult space for somebody to operate in
2: yeah and it kind of gets worse when you're trying to hide everything about yourself and pretending to be a really nice person because (laughs) otherwise they won't help you (laughs) and all the lying as well like So much wasted time and money. Just, it's just, yeah, it's not good. (laughs) Yeah. So I'd say, yeah, when I was unaware, I had like very few emotions, really. I got shown the emotion wheel and I was just like, I don't have any of these apart from kind of being restless and needing to do something all the time. Yeah, and then just feeling empty as well. Empty and restless. Oh, and angry. I forgot angry. Yeah, I got that as well. I
1: was about to say
2: <laughs> Yeah, can't forget that one. But yeah, and just always feeling like I needed to achieve something new. Like there was always a next thing. Whatever I achieved, I just wasn't happy with it. And it just made me feel hollow. And yeah, it's just like really tiring. That was how it kind of felt like it.
1: You know, I want to make a small aside here for when I eventually start kind of making more large scale macro points. But I think there's also a way in which our societies operate the same way or our industries, even some of our universities and scholarship. Well, there's always this focus on chasing the new. You have the new, time to find the next thing. And each victory is fleeting Mm -hmm. and it's always moving to the next. And it's funny how that incentive structure sounds so much like this hollow, empty, angry restlessness that you're describing inside. Mm -hmm. So there's very much a way in which some of the emotions that people have inside themselves and the way that some of them can interact with each other. There's also an element of that, I think, in our societies that leads to a number of very tangible concrete outcomes that are not great for people and kind of like you've said before people who are more normies do not understand it and cannot see it and misinterpret it and so that is something where i think being able to bring that out of people individually and then showing how you can see this happening in a larger scale is a longer term down the road project but yeah i just wanted to make that bridge from that point there please do continue though.
2: No, that's just like completely distracted me onto a different points. Yeah, I just, I think that's really true. And the, when you don't have maybe like close family guidance or like close relationships to kind of counterbalance that kind of message in society, that's just what you think you should do. You're like, this is what society says a successful person is. That's what I'm going to do because I'm interested in being a successful person. So that definitely is well,
1: true. That's a fucking great point, and just about unawareness and part of what you know. I think that's one of those things where you've said something even profound there, which is, if left to your own devices, if you do not have a family unit that is strong or influences or people to tempt or teach you in a way that is more sustainable and holistic and balanced in yourself. Society can naturally pull you into this trap or these ruts because it is how it is structured. And so just left on your own, that is a way that you will internalize and become. And so there actually has to be active resistance or something intervening to have you not go down that route. So even just that is a fucking fascinating contribution.
2: Okay, I feel like I should go back to the point now, but... (laughs) (laughs) Worthy impression. (laughs) Yeah, and just like so much of my energy was spent on image management and Steering conversations away from certain things. I guess that's where the whole NPD people, a superficial thing comes from. Yeah, and just being weirdly like secretive about lots of stuff, like not telling certain friends about certain things in my family life, not telling my family about any of my personal life, really. Yeah, so it's just you end up really isolated, but then you don't have anything to compare it to, so... Just like this is fine, this is just like life, and it's just miserable for everyone. So, yeah, God, that was fucking cheery.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? We're not going for cheery, we're not going for depressed, we're going for what is, and you're just laying it out there for people.
2: Oh, yeah. And then I guess those are kind of some of the reasons why I wasn't really aware that I needed any kind of help. That and the fact that I'd all my relationships are pretty superficial. So there was no one there to kind of be like seeing behind me, pretending to be successful, and saying like, "Your life is not going well. You're not. You're not doing very well. You need to go and find some help." And also, I was, I'm just like a really shissy person to give suggestions to. So yeah. Oh, I haven't. <laughs> I'm probably we've been the heads off.
1: Yeah, I haven't noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, yeah, I've tried to ban myself from being really horribly critical and just mean for no reason for quite a while, so...
1: Man, I got in at the right time.
2: Yeah, 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 there are some not very good stories, but yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just, you know, a little bit more editorializing on my part of your experience. But again, you also highlight another thing that's really important and is the thing that I want to contribute to. And I think that a lot of the other people with disorders who are kind of doing their own projects are doing and that is to put the information out there so that people actually do have something to compare with or they can hear other people speaking about their situations behind the mask and you can go wait a minute that sounds like how i feel well that sounds like where i've been and yeah like you cannot aim for things that you do not have the experience of or perspective to see that has to be brought to you somehow or given to you or shown, or well, you have to be able to participate in it to actually be able to do something about it. And this is one of those things where I, you know, from philosophy, which is a background that we both have, you always see every paper start with particularly in analytic, starting with this assumption of assuming a rational, logical agent or something of the sort, it just drives me fucking insane because it's just like on your own, it's just like, yeah, you know, you could rationalize our logic all sorts of different things about how your life was going or what's going on. But without the perspective with the ability to see these other options, to know that they exist and what it would look like, what it would feel like, you just will, there are certain lines of thoughts or premises that you could start from or certain logical moves you would make with your emotions. They'll just never do. You'll never think of, you could never conceive. If left alone, you have to have your horizons broadened. You have to see things. You have to be at a point of vulnerability where there are things that you could go your entire fucking life without learning and somehow you manage to pick it up whether by family by a friend by hitting rock bottom and trying to dig out of it by a therapist there are all sorts of ways to be confronted with the shortcomings of where you came from in your blind spots but it does have to happen somehow for you to step out of it right
2: Hmm. Yeah you and you've got to be kind of your rationality has to be open to other suggestions which until recently I was like no no <laughs> mainly my rationality was used for justifying my poor life
3: choices
2: <laughs> and <laughs> yeah mainly that justifying my poor life choices what else justifying my poor life choices to others that kind of thing but um got to be a bit open which is really difficult when you're not doing very well so you've kind of got to have your life come together in a way that you know something is wrong but you're not in too much of a like a shit state to do anything about it so yeah i can see why lots of people just end up unaware their whole lives
1: yeah it's the easiest thing to happen people die every day having not discovered more about themselves which is a tragedy should terrify everybody listening as much as it sounds (laughs) because that is the vulnerability of the human condition that is inescapable, but yeah, I also like what you were saying, right? In terms of like your logic and your rationality, those are resources that can be directed, but your emotions are going to dictate how you actually do so. And so you're right that you have to be at a point where emotionally you are open to employing your logic and reason to hearing other people's suggestions, comparing to your own, thinking about how to implement it. You have the same infrastructure. You have the same kind of means that can be employed into different directions, but it is your feelings that will guide and shape and let you hold yourself back and be curious to want to hear what somebody else has to offer. And so this is again, one of those things where I think that there's you know, assumptions of what people can or should do on their own or how they can come to decisions, it's just not profitable or helpful to say, well, you know, you should know that your life isn't going well, or that like there's <laughs> other ways to be better. And, you know, you, you should be able to like think your way out of this paper box. And it's just like, no, like you, there are things that you need to feel, that you need to see, that you need to experience, for you to be able mm-hmm. to make decisions to go in one direction or another.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like, you don't have a clear view of all the options, and it's really difficult to kind of shake people into having, a, like, a clear view of that. So, agreed.
1: Yeah. Anywho, if you would Ooh, like to... That was like depressing. To, <laughs> <laughs> As I said, we're... on it That was depressing, but the upbeat for this is that I, so far at least, you know, hopefully you don't relapse on me the moment we go off air, but, you know, I do consider you to be... <laughs> somewhat of a success story in progress and so yeah there's some heavy and depressing things it's a part of the journey but i think we're heading towards a good outcome
2: yeah i'd say in progress like come on it's been a very short time i could just i could still do something awful you know it's it's still an option Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. But I mean, even I think some of the progress that we've made, I mean, even the things that we're articulating, the kind of conversation we're having right now, again, in the short amount of time that we've kind of been at this, it speaks that it is absolutely possible for more than just yourself. So I mean, again, there are some depressing Mm -hmm. and heavy things that we're gonna go through, but I think there's also a lot of hopeful and optimistic. Mm -hmm. So we're we're just giving it to you all. Raw, one can almost say, on a podcast about PDs.
2: Oh, I don't know how smooth that was or not. I'll give you a rating after the pod. We're
1: going to rate that self-plug afterwards. And you can do so, too, in the comments below in this subreddit post that I eventually make.
3: <laughs> okay, that was, was <laughs> <laughs> Alright,
1: uh, If you could oh. keep on going with all these incessant interruptions I keep throwing your way.
2: Yeah, that's fine. Interrupt away. Like, I'll just mute you and leave or something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Where was I? Just like, oh, I'm on the train of, like, things being rubbish, being unaware. But, yeah, I was just ruining all my relationships and I didn't even realise. So just there were small things that I did that were damaging. There were big things that I did were damaging and weirdly, people don't usually kind of call you out as much as you would expect. Um,
1: Sarge, <coughs> sorry.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. <laughs> but yeah, and then just like the fact that a lot of kind of normal interactions are just the stuff that I was faking my way through. So. Because I'm getting older, <laughs> a lot of my friends have kids, and it's expected that you're interested in their kids and you want to touch their kids. Oh no, that—that's cut that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want so, to like be motherly and maternal and loving and. So like,
1: what Lila is saying is that she would make <laughs> a poor presidential candidate because she is not a baby kisser. So, you know, she would just crash and burn when the adoring <laughs> masses just held out their infants to be kissed and held. And she'd just be like, Bleh. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I think I can fake it if, like, becoming president is the prize. I can, I can okay, do that. Okay. But just for the sake of keeping my friends, I struggle to pretend to, like, yeah, I think as a woman, again, people think you'll be, like, loving and maternal and just, like, fall in love with every child you see. But... I generally like struggle with pretending to care in those situations, pretending to care at people's weddings. Um, oh, yeah. we can't. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: oh, that's a cute little omission. Let, let's not say protect, struggling to care, but uh, antipathy. At weddings. Uh, you know, okay. I yeah. <laughs> I'm just
2: trying to paint myself as like a nicer person again than I am. So, <laughs> yeah, like other people's kids I don't care about, and then weddings I actively dislike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is itself quite interesting. And I don't even have, I mean, I have some options and some perhaps intuitions that we got to follow up on to get to the bottom of that. But yeah, I mean, there is, I mean, I think it's a lot of people, even on the sub talk about envy or jealousy or negative feelings towards people who are doing well and capable of connection. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if something, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, basically. So I wouldn't be surprised if something in that direction, a cluster B on the podcast is going to drop before yours was talking about how she used to intentionally fuck with guys who seemed to be like, happy and have their lives together and be paragons of moral virtue and she would fuck with them just to see if she could just to see if they really had their shit together and so yeah like you're by far not unique in that feeling of antipathy and i mean really i think there's a (laughs) i think there's a, a deep sadness that your internal environment is structured that you feel bad feelings for something so simple so innocent i mean it just You know at the very least you could just not care but antipathy you know that speaks to something maybe a desire Mm -hmm. that you had that didn't pan out or something that you can't do Anywho, fascinating line of thought but we don't have to get into that therapizing session (laughs) (laughs) right here but i I did have to razz you a little bit on that
2: i'm not fond of weddings (laughs) i don't care about weddings now i God, I've got a wedding to go to soon. Don't don't encourage me. Now I just need to, like, fuck with everyone at the wedding. So, so if anybody
1: fine. wants to pay to have Burning Lila as a guest at their weddings and just, you know, like a greeter or just, like, a general mingler, uh, please contact Ooh, yeah. me after the show, and uh, we'll discuss rates.
2: I think I'd do, like, better at a funeral, so, yeah. Actually, maybe not. No. <laughs> 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 this just an idea as well. <laughs> Damn, okay. Like, that was a sidetrack and a half my brain is broken now
1: she says as if it wasn't in the first place i mean love you thank, um.
2: you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much um, <laughs> oh god yeah they like yeah the next thing i was going to talk about is just i god back on that wedding thing i just thought that everyone having a family or everyone kind of having stable relationships. Like they're all idiots. They um, they clearly weren't thinking enough about career success. I know how, like, Duncan's- Yeah, seems, the but... things
1: that really matter. You know, <laughs> it even, it even kind of, too many things to say, but when you were talking about you would kiss babies to be president, but you're not willing to put in the effort for your friends. And it's like, well, that's an incentive structure that says a lot right now, isn't it?
2: I mean, at least I'm kissing babies, so <laughs> who cares? Who cares why I'm kissing them? <laughs> oh dear and then like going back to something we said before i think when you're in your 20s kind of prioritizing career and that kind of thing over anything else is kind of more normal and so it kind of feeds the lie that like yeah everything is fine i'm doing so well other stuff i don't need other people so yeah yeah
1: (laughs) I mean, again, I think our societies cultivate us to be individualistic and atomistic and really is just, I mean, it's the same thing about trying to motivate people to change is that there are experiences and ways of seeing the world once you know what a secure, stable attachment is and what it lets you do in ways that it lets you orient the world and navigate your life. But until you have it, or you really have it shown to you or experience it in some way with a friend with a lover with a therapist with a family member it's just almost impossible to describe or to see that experience easily reflected in the society we have we almost actively incentivize people against it to achieve individualistically and persevere Mm -hmm. and so yeah i mean i think that that position that you found yourself in is absolutely uh not as uncommon as unfortunately i would like it to be
2: Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, like you just end up thinking everything is fine. No one calls you out because, I don't know, maybe I should do a survey Being like, why didn't you call me out on my behavior?
1: Oh, I can tell you why. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, yeah, disordered people. Famously not being not good at being told something is their problem or having their shame activated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've I've seen this, oh, I have seen this too many times to count now of, you know, people being like, well, why didn't people tell us? And it's just like, you chopped my fucking head off for asking you how you take your coffee (laughs) or, you know, being five minutes late because there was traffic and you now want me to give you criticism and think that it's going to go well. And you mean, you know, again, like in my own life when I've just been like, I've, one of the easiest ways to be on a disordered person's shit list for life is say, "I think you have a problem. You should go to therapy."
2: Mm-hmm. Tr- tr- yeah,
1: yeah. Try- I, mean- I would say try it. Don't just.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you don't know who you're dealing with. Like it could be someone like yeah, relatively nice but might yell at you, or you could have someone completely different so yeah maybe don't do that guys (laughs) well
1: you know to to speak at it with a little bit more kind of psychological subtlety is when you bring that sort of criticism to somebody who has poor boundaries and enmeshment issues and you put that at their doorstep and if they take it as a serious insult or slight they don't know how to self-soothe or to get over it or to see it as not significant to them it is a challenge and the way that challenge has to be met is they either have to internalize what you've said you're either right Or you're wrong Mm -hmm. and if they need you to be wrong for them to feel better they will make you wrong by employing the whole tool set of manipulation co-opting abusing or ultimately absolutely ruthlessly trying to destroy you and your person because they need you to be incorrect about this and the more true you are the more desperately they will fight back to make you So it is, that's kind of the logic of how it goes. It is a profoundly fucking risky thing to do. And I have dealt with the consequences of it going wrong in my life in many ways on the sub, as some people have seen, and also just with family members. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, again, it is a very fraught space Mm -hmm. and it is the reason why most of the people who are experts will say if you truly do suspect somebody of being someone who has some of these issues only very gently tangentially try to bring something up and mostly protect yourself and if you're in any ways worried about reprisal just get the fuck away and don't say a goddamn Hmm.
2: word yeah i mean completely agree i would (laughs) say protect yourself because that's what i would do so
1: I was just about to to say you had a story of somebody's life who you tried to ruin at one point, or, you know, maybe you have more that you've mentioned. You could take a moment to think about what the one you actually told me was.
2: Is this the guy who tried to take away my car?
1: Yeah, that's the one. (laughs) The one who tried to jack your ride. You've even got that in yourself, so...
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I feel like I should come up with a rational explanation and try and get myself out of this and and come up with a reason why it was like a perfectly sane thing to do. But I know that it's not. So yeah, like, um, I'm not going to go into the boring backstory, but a bailiff tried to take away my car. And he he didn't succeed. I had to pay him money in the end. Uh, <laughs> but then I was like, I just need to, I just need to screw up this guy's life now. He's tried to do this to me, so I just need to, I need to get one over on him somehow. I'm not going to go into. I didn't actually do anything in the end because I was like, I'm being a well-behaved citizen now. Yeah, I just wanted to go after him. I wanted him to lose his job. I wanted him to be in legal trouble. I wanted to know personal information about him. And yeah, just like some random guy doing his job. So that was, that was a fine moment of mine.
1: <laughs> so let's go back to 10 minutes ago and saying, I wish people had told me things. I wonder why <laughs> people don't Say things to disorder people (laughs) that they might interpret as having one over the other person. They feel like they have to even the score or put them above.
2: Hmm, why why don't they? I don't know if you that sounds kind of like what you're doing though. So
1: um, (laughs) with care (laughs) and nuance. (laughs) With care and nuance and occasionally fucking it up and reaping the results. But you know, I've made my own bed. I lie in it. But yeah, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so, you know, hopefully, I think that answers some things for both the ordered and disordered people of how that can go and some of the consequences. So yeah, let's get back on track, even though these depressions are themselves, I think, gonna end up being half the show as well aside from what (laughs) we've played. That
3: was a fun story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fun times with sociopaths. I mean, oh that would be a fucking sick children's book name. Like, oh anyways, let's let's put that one in the folder for later after the
2: cast. Now we need to educate educate the children on how to not get screwed over. So yeah, 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 yeah. Okay oh right okay so how did awareness happen that was yeah it was like a really long slow process because i think if i had had more of a shocking process i would have just denied it or been aggressive or decided to like move somewhere else in the country and entirely change my life and not be the same person anymore Um, which people do yeah i've done it quite a few times (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, oh, my God, I'm going to talk about an ex. Is this all right for this kind of? I mean, <laughs> so
1: long as you're speaking kind of in vague generalities, you know, nothing identifying. But uh, yeah, other,
2: yeah.
1: other than that, you know, I've it.
2: No, it's just like, is this appropriate, like, uh, talking to my boyfriend about exes? But apparently Oh, like yeah,
1: you know, this is kind of funny because my primary partner, who's also kind of, like, pansexual, non-monogamous, and uh, also gender fluid. And so sometimes she jokes around about like when I call her husband or like use masculine pronouns and it's just like only afterwards does she think about it. She just rolls with it, cause she just doesn't care. And right there where we you're just like, is it okay to talk with an ex? And you know, I was like, oh, you're like worried about the ex on a podcast and you're just like, no, cause I'm talking about an ex with my boyfriend. And I'm like, oh, right. People care about that sometimes. Oh, huh.
3: fascinating. Yes, sometimes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it just didn't even clue into me. Anyways, uh, yeah, you know, I've had it.
2: Yeah, I'm not gonna say anything identifying or anything, but um, or hopefully nothing terribly offensive, but we can cut that. So, yeah, where do I start with this? I had, I think, a relatively like meaningful, affectionate relationship with this person, but inevitably, I started to do things to fuck it up, mainly unintentionally. I think, yeah, that. I don't know I'll come back to that, but um, yeah, I was trying pretty hard to like behave well, be the perfect partner, and all that stuff. But yeah, because I mean,
1: that—just to let you all know, who are listening to the podcast—what normal, healthy, ordered, or even just like you know, <laughs> positive people want is they want the perfect fucking partner, not just a human being who deeply appreciates and understands them and meets them no, at their no level. Yeah, does. yeah, per- per- perfection. That's what is needed and expected. Now, you know, go dig yourselves into some holes.
2: You just want the best possible partner. That's what takes me is just going around the world, finding the best possible one.
1: Yeah, and And never being secure with what you have because there's always potentially something better. So you're always insecure and always restless and still looking. And like you pay no attention to the weight of this unique experience that you've forged with somebody of your own volition. And yeah, that sounds like a perfectly great way to live your life
2: yeah it's fine nothing wrong with that at all um, <laughs> let's go back to my i'm gonna like publish a dating guide later so let's let's go back to like how to be the perfect partner
1: but yeah a, da- a dating guide for you to be as happy as she was
2: yeah go on the best dates have the most fun stop trying to like set it badly <laughs> um yeah so Probably the most meaningful relationship I'd had till then. I was still doing a lot of unhealthy things like, yeah, like trying to be the perfect partner, then getting kind of resentful when she wasn't also trying to be the perfect partner back to me. Yeah. Like there's probably a whole list that she has of things that I've done. (laughs) Yeah. There are a few times where I just really, really, really uh, like overreacted to some, um, I'm not going to say like insults, like perceived things she'd done wrong or something like that. I think those pretty much ended it, but because she's a far healthier person than I am, she actually spoke to me about them and she had like a knack of explaining it to me in a way that I, I kind of took it quite well. So... She was pretty humorous about some of it. she generally not get very emotional. Like we never had like an emotional shouting row about it, which is kind of a good thing. And yeah, so I kind of actually took some of that on board and I was just like, eventually thinking that some of this stuff was really pretty unacceptable. And why the hell was I responding in those ways? Yeah. So awareness kind of started with some of the feedback she gave to me. And even then I was still justifying it a lot. I remember one thing I'd... Can I remember the... No, I'm not going to go into it word for word, but some like really insulting thing that I'd said to her. And I remember justifying it to myself, thinking that, yeah, I'd make this horrible joke about myself... So it's fine. I'm just like doing unto others as I would do unto myself. So, yeah, eventually I realized like you d- also don't make like horrible, demeaning jokes and thoughts about yourself either.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, something that you've really linked together here in some of the things you said is how you feel about yourself being projected outwards. And so you talk about being perfectionistic on yourself, you expect your partner to be perfectionistic, you're bitter to yourself. You're bitter to the other person and you think it's normal and acceptable but really it's just i mean i can't say it's not acceptable maybe to some people it is but for the most part you're just kind of naively being the thing on the inside that you are or being on the outside that you are on the inside and it's mm-hmm. just for a lot of people they'll find it to be unnecessary or they're just not something that they want in their life they'd rather find somebody who would reciprocate or offer them things in a better spirit or as a different internal environment i mean there's a whole array of other ways to relate to people and for them to share their time with you and it's just you know why would you put up with things that you find unpleasant or hurtful and again you know to some disordered people they're just like well that's just how relationships are you're just you know you're a motherfucker to the person that you love and you just like let it out and you know you're poison and you're toxic and the ups and downs and some people just are not a fan of that.
2: Yeah, I didn't. I was so kind of ignorant at the time. I didn't even realize that this isn't this isn't how it's done. And I didn't even see a lot of it as toxic because, yeah, those are the kinds of thoughts that I'd have towards myself. Those are the kinds of thoughts I was regularly thinking about. Probably everyone else in the world, to be honest. <laughs>
1: this, this reminds me of nameless narcissists in our podcast saying that when he was unaware, he thought everybody else in the world was a narcissist.
2: Except for <laughs> <laughs> oh, him. <man>. Yeah, rough. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that like everyone was awful and exploitative and out to get you. So however you treat them is kind of justified because they would do exactly the same to you, which is just... Not how most of the world works, surprisingly. I mean, yeah.
1: some, of does, <laughs> some of it does. Some
2: of it does. Some of
1: it does. Some of it doesn't. You know, that's the whole thing of black and white thinking and dichotomies and projection is, you know, there is a kernel of truth there at certain times in certain places. and There are other times where it profoundly doesn't. And the biggest problems happen when you don't know how to set aside some of the things you're talking about and actually find and accept those moments of. Connection, happiness, positive affect, trust, vulnerability. And that's mm. uh, that's how you end up with a life that kind of ain't worth living or doesn't have a lot of positivity in it, ain't it?
2: <laughs> Damn, like coming am through the throat there. Okay, yeah, yeah. Going no, straight with the
1: jugular, baby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Damn, okay. I'll just reset a bit after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I had this experience with my ex where... She kind of managed to open my eyes to some of the um, some of the unacceptable things I was doing. Yeah, that did end, but at least something came from it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also had another friend who convinced me that therapists were evil and out to commit you and out to drug you and do all kinds of things that I. Well... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are, I don't know. Thanks. It's my paranoia justified.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, again, maybe not entirely wrong, but there are whole swaths of them who simply Mm. want to work with people and improve their lives because it also improves their lives. I mean, what you do to others is reflective of your internal environment. If you cultivate yourself as a person who helps others, that also bespeaks how you see yourself and the people in your environment, and it just makes you happier and more fulfilled. And another thing with myself, kind of some of the stuff that I'm doing and being interested in in the first place is when you have a broader sense of self or you have a ability to see yourself as interconnected and like with other people as fellow travelers and, you know, uh, all as part of a community, you see helping other people or helping clarify things, at least for me, the mental imagery of just like cleaning up my own backyard. It's just like seeing people doing things wrong or like things going off the rails for little reason. It's just like trash and litter piling up on your yard. And it's just like all this garbage piling up for a little to no reason. And so just going around and trying to set things right and trying to fix things, it feels like I'm just cleaning up the trash, like doing some landscaping, like putting things up. So when I sit there and I look out at the view, I can go, ah, now that's much better. And that's sort of what it feels like to me. And so for a lot of people, there's like, you know, there's no such thing as an altruistic action and blah. blah, blah. Again, I, I think it's another tedious debate that doesn't really matter. But, you know, it's there's a way in which, like, yeah, there's a thing that I'm getting from it, but the investment in somebody else being better off than where I first met them, I don't need too much back from them in certain situations, depending on what the arrangement or the connection is. There is literally just an enjoyment that I can get out of things going better or just cleaning things up in that same way as that metaphor that I've used. And that I think is scarcely comprehensible to a lot of disordered people and maybe even normal people as well, in terms of talking about their interactions with others. But yeah, that is how it feels for me. And I think a lot of people who are, feel deeply called to helping trades have something analogous inside of themselves that draws them to helping people and could be for all sorts of other reasons or needs and they could be healthier or unhealthy and either toxic or positive, like you know, there's a whole smorgasbord out there. But yeah, it, it is not as likely that so many of them uniformly go into this profession and also learn about how the mind works in inner environments and then decide to keep spewing toxic and poison out in the world and sabotaging people. That's That seems a little thin, a little implausible.
2: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that analogy. Like I love the analogy, but I just don't... There's like something missing for me to be able to feel it. Like, I understand that that's what other people do. But, yeah, I'm just like, why don't you just burn the trash? Just,
1: so, <laughs> just like... Yeah. yeah, you know, why don't you just scorch earth your own lawn? And then you yeah. can deal with the consequences later.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah. things are more fertile after they've been burnt down to the ground. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, long-term thinking. Disorder yep. people's strong suits. Yeah, yep. so, you know, <laughs> just... Yeah, just mosing right along here.
2: God, where was I at? My paranoia about therapists. So, yeah, I had another friend who somehow managed to convince me that therapy was a good idea and that it could help you. Again, I think it's because she wasn't directly saying, there's something wrong with you, you need to be fixed. Um, Yep. She was actually having therapy herself, and I could see a lot of kind of what I was feeling, but I never really mentioned to anyone in things you say to me so that really kind of made me think that you know there was something to therapy and that uh yeah maybe i should just should try and do something about this and about feeling empty all the time and that and that that was really not kind of a normal thing and mm-hmm. i felt like i could relate to her a lot more than some of her other friends could because sometimes I'd see her kind of burning relationships to the ground and saying quite destructive and hurtful things about some of her relationships and then the next day being like oh they're the greatest thing ever and I was just like oh no I really I really relate to that kind of this black and white thinking again but I really see that in myself so I was like oh <laughs> Maybe I need to sort that out. Um, Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, you're you're touching there on, you know, again, part of what's important is seeing your experiences reflected to you or things you can relate to in other people and how much it shapes and changes your own inner environment. Even just something as simple as talking with her and being like, oh, wait, you too, is Mm -hmm. enough to completely change your line of thinking and send you in a new direction. And so, again, like, this is another thing I think particularly with disordered people, but normal people, again, with the assumptions in some of our societies of atomization. But, you know, they think, you know, I am in control of myself. Like nobody else kind of affects me. Like I'm just on my own island. I'm in full possession and it's just, no, you are enmeshed in your environment and in your interactions with other people. Other people can affect you in profound ways just by being themselves without even trying, just by sharing a different perspective, or even just mirroring or reflecting to you something that you feel inside that you've never seen reflected to you or in somebody Mm -hmm. else. And so, again, that is a part of fundamental, irreducible vulnerability. And you had this happen to you, and it sounds like it was a part of the pieces of the puzzle that changed your life.
2: Yeah, it was kind of like seeing the vulnerable side of myself, which is just like something I don't really want to look at at all (laughs) in someone else. And I was just, yeah, kind of blown away by seeing that in someone else and seeing someone else kind of suffer with that. Probably one of the most empathetic experiences I've ever had. Uh, even,
1: even, Even there, you know, people, they're always like, you know, what's empathy? What's this magical empathy thing that lets you feel other people's feelings? Empathy is about trying to understand other people's inner environments with whatever resources you have available, just being curious enough to do it. But the corollary is it is much easier to empathize with people like yourself because mm-hmm. their inner environments are like yours. You don't have to do as much work translating or trying to figure things out or trying to pay attention to experiences you've never had before and that are radically different in kind. And so, yeah, it was easy for you to empathize or, well, you know, I suppose the word is sympathize when you're kind of projecting your own feelings inside onto the other person. But, I mean, really, in this case, it was not you projecting, but you seeing yourself reflected in her and really being able to understand why and see what was going on. And, yeah, I mean... Again, it's another thing why disordered people partner a lot is because they can more deeply understand each other. They can relate. They can empathize. Disordered healthy person relationships can be very fraught and very difficult because it is very difficult for you to empathize with each other because of the radical difference of your internal resources and environment.
2: Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of why, again, going back to like more healthy normal people is yeah they absolutely like sometimes can't empathize with an experience that someone disordered has had and it just seems like really alien to them so yeah that was like a really like long loop on like how i ended up going to therapy yeah i had some interesting times in therapy
1: (laughs) Uh, i mean there are lots of people who ask constantly about that black box of therapy on the sub. What is therapy really like? You know, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. How do people act in therapy? So, I mean, anything that you've got that you want to share, fucking throw that grenade on the table.
2: God, I feel like I should like throw the encouraging grenades now and not the, like, <laughs> the grenades. Not like you're going to have a fucking awkward time grenades, but, um, right. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, As per always, I say throw whichever ones are most truthful.
2: Yeah. Oh no! I don't say <laughs> <laughs> it went quite slowly at the start because I, I was unaware, and I think my therapist was trying to give me awareness, even though I didn't want it. <laughs> I didn't want it, and I was also pretending to be far nicer than I am and then i had to backtrack a lot and then convince her that i was not actually nice and that, that i did actually need help
1: yeah this <laughs> <And laughs> um, disordered person catch 22s i have to pretend to be nice so she likes me and i feel worthy of help but i'm also not nice and need you to know me to help me yeah. and uh, hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah i think i kind of like succeeded in looking nice for a bit and then she started to say things like god I, I think i made an arson joke and she said i don't think you're a bad person and i'm just like <laughs> I'm just saying that for your own benefit to try and convince yourself that i'm a nice person but anyway
1: uh, i mean I, <laughs> I, oh i think that is fascinating i mean i know other cluster people and even the co-host of this show nota has said before about you know arson jokes being in the wheelhouse of cluster bees and they're you all know, just kind of <laughs> morbid humor and things like that. But yeah, again, it's interesting because there's a, you know, this ties into a topic that's been on the sub and posts that I even shared with you. I still remember it. Well, I think it was if You're still around and shout out, but talking about the therapist, not believing them when they said, you know, I can be a motherfucker or, you know, I have a lot of like anger and aggressiveness and kind of letting loose on them when they invalidated or diminished them in that way, and also just didn't see them for who they were. Mm -hmm. And so letting loose just to almost be like, well, I am this way. And it's the exact, there's something like that paraphrase. I don't remember it clearly right now, but it's similar to what you're saying right now. Where the therapist is like, well, everybody wants to be seen as a good person, and you do did want to be seen. Well, you wanted to act like a good person, but like you don't necessarily want people to really believe that you're a goody-two-shoes. Like you know, I don't think that's something you want from me. But then you know, you also sort of want and need her to know about some of the foulness. So that again, like a therapist is supposed to be skilled at trying to take all these different competing needs and desires and emotions and trying to separate them and draw a coherent narrative and put each in its place. And you gave her some fucking complicated shit to work with just not consistent on the outside. It takes a lot of work to get to a deeper level and see how all the different affects that you're putting out there interact with one another. And so Mm -hmm. you know, she fucking lost her balance and fell. She's like, you know, this person wants to be seen as a good person. A lot of people want positive regard to know they're okay. But, like, you had been putting up a false front, but, like, you know, you put it up for a reason, and you you want her to get deeper, but you also weren't showing it. And it's just, yeah, that it just to, again, like, therapists are just people. Like, there is number crunching and thoughts and, you know, weighing and reflection that has to go into understanding the person in front of you. I mean, it's not as simple as, I think, maybe... People like to think of you know you just look at the book and you show these things and it's like all right here's who you are, it's effortful and difficult and you're making it fucking harder. So you know you yeah. tried you tried <laughs> you tried to break her ankles. Ankles were broken, and then she ends up not believing you that you're as wicked as you can be or sometimes were, and then you're like, but now you don't understand me and I need you. To. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah now you put it like that but um yeah what a waste of like i could have like cut out like so many sessions if i'd just been able to not just be honest even see some of this stuff in myself really um it's not just a matter of just like i've decided to lie for whatever conniving reason it's Mm. There are parts of myself that I don't want to look at and I definitely don't want another person looking at them. So,
1: I mean,
3: Yeah, you yeah. <laughs>
2: also
1: just need connection to be able to even talk the way that we are right now. This is something that we have worked at and built up. And again, this is a part of what I say to people about the power of safe, secure connections and what can happen to it with it is that you cannot say certain things about yourself or people won't understand if you have not gone on the journey of them of forging a relationship. And therapy is the exact same. You're supposed to forge a relationship with the therapist such that you can get to a point where you can start looking at those difficult and painful things and it feels easier. But that act of maintenance of or creation Of that relationship or bond is again something that disordered people don't understand because they either don't understand their own emotions their emotions are chaotic or they're completely cut off and they don't even realize that they have them so something like talking about relationship maintenance for the purpose of being able to dig deeper and to pace yourself and come back in the subtlety and nuance your therapist should be fluent in understanding of that but the patient generally isn't. And that's where you sometimes get mischaracterizations of what the therapist is doing or them showing up and being like, well, I don't understand what the point of this is. Like I just talk and like nothing's happening. But it's like, even when you just show up and you just talk, you are building a relationship. You're choosing to invest your time with this person. And over time, you take all those experiences, you put them together, that is your relationship. That is your connection. And hopefully at the end of it, You feel more comfortable to say, you know, the same way you'd say things to your best friend, you wouldn't to a stranger on the street. It's the exact same thing of getting close enough to them to be able to go there and do that work. And so, yeah, I mean, if you lie, sometimes you need to lie a lot because you're not aware or to just keep yourself safe because you do not feel strong enough. And you're also just rightly suspicious of going to those difficult places that could really destabilize and fuck you up and just putting them out there with somebody. I mean, that gives somebody power over you. You're not going to fucking do it for some goddamn rando. Like, you know, there has, you have to feel safe. You have to feel secure. You have to build up to that safety and security. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, to just, you know, stop rephrasing the same thing in different words. It reminds (laughs) me of nameless narcissist talking about how he was in therapy for like four years and lying his ass off and masking before he kind of let the walls down. And so, yeah, you're, very much so, not the only person.
2: Oh, I don't know if that's reassuring or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is
1: It is neither reassuring or not. It simply is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but like eventually she kind of inched me towards awareness, <laughs> asking me things that like I'd always deny in the session, but then I'd go back and be like, hmm, maybe that's truer than I thought. So, yeah, stuff like. Yeah, she said like once not everyone finds you attractive and I was just like... (laughs) That's just like simply not true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that kind of thing and some like very obvious other things that she said which made me think "Mm, I'm not doing very well. Yeah, also like there was the comparative thing of... Some of my friends were having therapy and they'd all finished and they'd been certified sane and, <laughs> and I was being told things like this. And so I was like, oh yeah, this is a problem,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: things
2: aren't going well. <laughs>
1: And uh, I I personally, with people who are unaware, people that I feel kind of unsafe with or something of the sort, is I am also a fan of those kind of sidewinders sometimes. Uh, you say something so smooth that, you know, somebody's kind of like in the moment, like, yeah, sure. You know, okay. Like whatever. And the conversation progresses. And then later on you sit and you reflect on it. And it's like, wait a second, there's more here. And yeah, I mean, sometimes you need that kind of distance or indirect approach to Mm. let somebody wrap their own mind around something before they can take it on board is a very common therapeutic tool or perspective.
2: Yeah, sowing the seeds and letting someone else kind of come to their own conclusions about it. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, you thanks. know, anybody who's antisocial like Miss Burning Lila here, say how well that you do when somebody tries to tell you something and take it on board if you don't just impulsively immediately want to reject it because you just want to be oppositionally defiant to authority figures or people who try to define you or... Yeah, yeah that doesn't usually work very well.
2: No, no comment. I, <laughs> I like fucking glide through criticism like... That. <laughs> I can't even think of a good bird now, but, like, fuck. (laughs) Uh,
1: So right now we have the guest in her grandiose phase, and, uh, you know, that shit just (laughs) brings in arrows.
2: Damn. I don't (laughs) like this meta commentary. I'm not not (laughs) loving it. Get away from me. Oh, damn. God, that was really distracting. Now I'm thinking, about God knows what. (laughs) Yeah, so I'd say, like, even once I got into therapy, I wasn't taking it seriously. I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. My therapist was kind of sowing seeds and kind of being quite patient and also working out what the hell was going on with all the, like, contradictory stuff, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And, yeah, so... um The real wake-up call was my friend who initially kind of convinced me to go into therapy, who I, like, really admired quite a lot. She died from suicide, and I was like, I didn't believe it. I, yeah, I had all kinds of other feelings about it, but that's just, if you don't take things seriously after that, then when do you really, I guess?
1: (laughs) Yeah, death is... uh... Kinda of one of the big equalizers, isn't it? it's it is one of those things where if nothing else is gonna orient your perspective or kinda of introduce some hard limits on your bullshit, that one certainly will.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And you know, of course, sorry about your friend's experience. And I mean, I'm glad that you were at least able to experience it in such a way as to take it as a motivating call. And you know, you didn't say victim blame or reject that experience or push it away and not empathize or see yourself in it, which is obviously alternatives that people can and do do. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's even the fact that you're able to, you know, kind of work with her example, you know, how you felt about it while alive and that loss in your life being so important and impactful to you is you know it's something to be able to try to take from the circumstance that is otherwise you know obviously very tragic so
2: it's Mm. not
1: it's not something to be made light of
2: no not at all no well (laughs) (laughs) where do you even go from that (laughs)
1: Yeah, wherever the next step in the story is.
0: The makers of PD Raw accept and embrace our guests and respect their honesty. Please be aware that understanding the hurt that makes people want to act out is not the same as condoning destructive behaviours. In fact, we hope that this podcast will contribute to helping people overcome negative and harmful patterns in themselves and in others. PD Raw is a project run by unpaid volunteers. We would love some help with paying for the podcast app. If you would like to donate just a small amount towards the cost, please click on the small globe icon in the top right of the podcast homepage. Thank you.